right. Good, good evening. evening. It's good, good to be, be back, back at Bible, Bible Baptist Church here. here. Good, good to, to see, see everybody. everybody. Uh, we, we definitely uh, miss you guys here and talk about often how, how, how uh, well, we, we look forward to coming back. back and we always say every time we come, she's, my wife says often she's looking forward to seeing everybody when we come back. And so we appreciate your thoughts and prayers and your support over the years we have been, uh, I guess, the same, same situation everybody's been in, in, um, in, in that, that just struggled through COVID, COVID a little, little bit. Um, actually, recently, our town just seemed like really, really was spreading. Uh, I, I mean, Clark, Clark has, has about a thousand, thousand people in it, and there was a day that there was 40 new COVID cases in one day. So we, we kind of backed off a little bit and tried to be sensitive to that. And so it kind of has been frustrating as a pastor. To think, think I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't tell, tell you how many things I've tried and got all ramped up for and then pulled back and said, okay, I guess we're not going to do that. And just from the very beginning, from when I started, really. And, uh, I even told you guys about, I was excited about, I love my church Sunday. And we had people that were going to join the church and get baptized. And guess what? COVID hit. And uh, all these, especially there were several older people that... We're going to get baptized, and they said, you know what, I don't want to get in those waters with, with other people because of COVID. And so it's just, just you know, there's, and, and I'm not, I, I, I totally understand that. Um, I'm not, don't, sorry, don't misunderstand that. I totally understand that hesitation, uh, especially with, like I said, the way it has spread in our town. But it's just been frustrating to try to get going, and then uh, constantly feels like we're, we're just crawling and struggling to, to keep going. But we have, in, in spite of that, I feel like I've seen some real growth in our people, and um, and we've, we have done other things in the midst of that uh, that have been exciting for me to see and to do with our people. One of those things that we started was uh, on Saturdays. Well, we've been doing something, well, not recently, um, but we were doing something called Book and Brunch, and uh, that's something that I, I had on my mind, I think, over a year ago when I was here. I wanted to do something similar to the, like that with the teens, and we just never never ended up doing it, and I, I don't know. I just wasn't sure if it was a great idea then or not, but uh, now that I'm a pastor, it, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of it. I can just go ahead and do it, so <laughs> so we did that with our church, and we, we've just, I picked the book that we're going to go through, a good Christian book, or um, we may do a, a good Christian biography next or something, but uh, week by week, we meet at a different person's house, and they host us, and then we uh, will go th not read through the chapter of that book there, but we'll have read through it before, and then we'll talk about it, different questions. What do, you, what do you agree with and that? What do you disagree with? And we've talked about a lot of good things in those. We've had some really good theological discussions, some really good uh, things that had nothing to do with the book about our church's stance on certain uh, social issues and things like that. And uh, So it's been a great time as a church. I've really enjoyed that. Um, we're, we're trying to get our Sunday school program going. Um, that was supposed to, we were supposed to have already started it, and COVID has kind of, again, halted our our progress there, but I'm excited about a, a Sunday school program that we're doing that, that goes chronologically through the Bible and and, and helps people see how uh, Jesus uh, is woven throughout the entire Bible and how it's, the Bible is that one narrative of, of redemption. And, um, and so uh, pray for us about those things. I'm trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to highlight. Like I said, uh, the one other thing I was thinking, was just pray for our church in general. I know you guys have... have um, uh, Janice and others, you guys have been through some losses here as well, but we've had uh, a lady in our church, a church member of ours um, that died recently, and then um, several that are just uh, really struggling, some people that have been in the hospital and in and out of the hospital, and people's parents who have died and, and things like that, and so 
uh, pray for us in, in that regard. I know a lot of our people uh, would appreciate that who are, are hurting right now. So um, I think that is uh, everything that I wanted to say. Um, pray for us that we'd be able to get going, you know. Um, I, I, I see a light. I, I see a light at the end of the tunnel, I think, with COVID, hopefully. I mean, I know half the population is not going to take the vaccine or whatever, and, um, and, and that's fine. Uh, but I, I, it seems like we're getting to where maybe we'll be able to say, let's get back to normal a little bit. And so I'm, I'm hoping for that normalcy to come back so that we can move forward in our, uh, with some things in our church. Uh, I'm disappointed. You guys didn't pick any Christmas songs. Man, I told our church this morning, I was like, I've been waiting all year to sing Christmas songs, and it's finally here, and that's all right, though. I sang my Christmas songs this morning, so. Anyways, Hebrews chapter 13 is where we're going to be at tonight. Hebrews chapter 13. Thank you guys again for, uh, for having me tonight, and it's, it really is a blessing to be here. <clears throat> it's a privilege to, to preach in front of this church, too. It really is. So I pray that this will be a help to you tonight, uh, maybe an encouragement and a challenge. Uh, I, um, you'll, you'll see when I get into this topic what I mean by this, but uh, I got a little nervous, um, Pastor Forsberg, when you gave your testimony. I had to go back and grab a bulletin and read through that and make sure I wasn't going to say anything that, that sounded contradictory to that. So I'm going to say up front, and again, you'll understand when I get into this, uh, that I am not contradicting that at all in this message. Um, I love America. I'm proud of, of who we are as a nation. Um, but I want to talk to you tonight about uh, a citizenship that we have that's greater than our citizenship in America. And so the book of Hebrews um, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, and I, and I tell you what, to start off with, I'm just going to read this one verse, um, verse number 14, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 14, and we're going to look at more than just this one verse, but um, verse 14 says, for here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Here have we no continuing, um, you could also kind of say enduring, as, as you look at the, the context of that word, enduring city, but we seek one to come. Boy, if your eyes have been fixed on a political candidate uh, for your hope, for your calm, for your stability, and I mean that as political candidate on either side, um, then you've been on an emotional roller coaster lately, I would, uh, I would guess. Um, I have found, uh, and I don't say this to act like, I, you know, I'm perfect and I'm the example and I've found this great thing. No, but I, I, I really feel that I have had a, a, a real peace and a real stability and a real rest. Um, and, and again, don't get nervous when I say this, but by holding very lightly to my identity as an American and holding very tightly to my identity as a citizen of the kingdom that God has for me. Really, really I'm already a citizen of that kingdom. Um, uh, and so, again, don't misunderstand that. I have not given up on America. I still love America. It's not that I don't care what happens in America. Um, I want my kids to grow up in the kind of America that our founding fathers envisioned, really. I voted in the last election. I do my best to challenge people's uh, thinking in the political realm towards biblical values and things like that. But when it comes down to it, I know that the world is going to do what the world is going to do. And I know this, don't miss this, I'm not long for this world. 
I have a much greater hope that rests outside of this. And so I want to share some truths from Hebrews that have really anchored my heart, regardless of what goes on around me in our nation, in our world. Hebrews chapter 12, we're actually going to go back one chapter and we're going to start and see some, uh, uh, some context that leads up to chapter 13 um, and talk about a couple thoughts from chapter 12 as well. Verse number one, um, you're probably familiar with this verse, but it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So what are we to do in, in, in this season of unrest where there's been a lot of political unrest? Like I said, if, if, you're, if you're anchored in that, and, and um, I know a lot of people that, that are, it seems like, then boy, you're just, man, up and down. Is, uh, is Trump going to prevail? You know, is he going to uh, um, come back? Is, is Biden going to get in? All, all that stuff. I, don't, I really don't want to get into specifics. But what are we to do when our world is going crazy and politics are going crazy? Our country is in turmoil. Our social media feed is full of people ranting and raving about their viewpoints. Uh, uh, the Bible says that we're to lay aside the things that weigh us down. And I don't know about you, but politics weigh me down sometimes. So sometimes I have to set it aside and let it go and focus on, on better things. But the Bible says that we're to lay aside the weights, we're to avoid the sins that ensnare us, and we're to run with patience the race of life that is before us. And while we're doing it, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is both the origin and the completion, uh, the, the finisher of our faith. And just as Jesus endured, it says, if you look at that verse, we are to endure. And the implication in that endurance, we are to endure, the implication is that it's not going to be an easy road. Uh, it's not always going to be pleasant. The implication is that as a Christian, the life we live is one uh, of the world and our circumstances not always being what we want them to be. The implication is that the world around us is going to be wicked. The world around us is going to be hostile to who we are as Christians. The implication is that we're going to face some persecution. And so can I just bring this down to where we're at and, and speak kind of plainly for a minute? You know, I've heard this thought often lately that the very soul of our nation is at stake and, uh, you know, that what, what are we going to do if this person gets elected and we're just wringing our hands and, you know, what's going to happen if all this wickedness and all this immorality just is allowed to prevail in our country? Well, can I answer that from these verses here? Um, we're going to keep enduring, like Jesus said, that we were going to have to endure. We're going to keep pressing forward while the world around us lives in its wickedness and its immorality that it always will. And the world is going to continue to hate us for following Jesus, by the way. Near the time of the writing of this book, the, the Christian world was dealing with some of the worst persecution that it's ever faced under a ruler named Nero. Nero threw Christians to wild beasts in the Colosseums, and uh, he dipped some of them in oil and burned them as torches in his gardens. I, I mean... Forgive me for saying it this way, but I don't think a Biden presidency will be as bad as what they faced under the ruler Nero. So look at verses 3 and 4 here. The idea is that as we are enduring, we're to think about Jesus, we're to consider Jesus, who endured incredible hostility against himself from a wicked world. 
And then he says this, he says, you've not yet shed blood in striving against sin. And so, uh, as we just talked about, many of them would shed blood in for their faith. But he says, you've not yet shed blood in striving against sin. He said, think about what Jesus went through and think about what you're going through. I found this statement almost amusing, and, and here's why. I, I, I hate to... I hope that's not making light of scripture or anything, but I found it almost amusing in the way he said it because uh, when we think about us, I, I, some, sometimes we think we're so oppressed in our fight against evil. You know, I mean, boy, the big bad evil government might mandate that we put a mask on. And we're, wow, our faith is so oppressed because of that, you know? And so um, we're so oppressed for whatever reason. The author says, look, look at what Jesus went through. It's not as bad as you think. You've not yet resisted against sin and striving uh, unto blood. And so, and so there's, there's, there's so, so much good in, in chapter 12 that I wish we could go through, but I'm going to kind of jump towards the end so that we can get to, uh, again, our text is really in, in chapter 13, um, and so I'm going to kind of jump to the end there, but what this chapter and the next really does is it places our hope in something that is so much greater than the physical, temporary things that are around us. Look at verse number 26 of this chapter, and, and again, it's... It's better if you read it and, you know, you get all the context of it and see what all leads up to it. But let's just jump to verse 26. Uh, he says, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. We think that the world is in upheaval today, but God says one day he is going to shake the heavens and the earth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens also shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation? and godliness. So, here in Hebrews, he says that there's coming a time where he says God is going to shake the heavens and the earth, he says, so that the temporary created things can be removed and the eternal lasting things can remain. Those things that cannot be shaken can remain. And so, uh, he says in the next verse, what is eternal and lasting? He says, wherefore we receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved that cannot be shaken, have grace and serve God with reverence and godly fear. There is a kingdom that is coming that is greater than any earthly kingdom any man has ever been a part of. There's, there's a kingdom coming that the Bible says cannot be shaken. Our earthly kingdoms will be shaken, as we've seen, right? Our earthly kingdoms will be in upheaval. But we, but we have a citizenship, we have an identity, and we have a nationality in a kingdom that cannot be moved. And boy, when we anchor our hearts in that, our hearts find anchor in a place that cannot be shaken. And so that brings us, those thoughts bring us into, you know, there's, again, there's some things I'm, there's some opening thoughts in the beginning of chapter 13 that I'm skipping over. But let's start at verse number 8 there of chapter 13. It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. 
be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Like I said, I love America. I, 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 even though I spent a lot of years on the mission field, I grew up outside of America. I grew up in Trinidad. Um, I had a homeschool video teacher that I'm so thankful for that instilled uh, a patriotism, a strong sense of that in me, and a strong sense of gratitude for what generations before me have toiled to achieve uh, and for the freedom that was bought at such a great price with the blood of so many people. And my heart beats red, white, and blue, but I'm, I'm burdened about this subject in the day and age we live in because, and in churches today because we cannot allow our hope to be placed in any earthly nation. We have to remember and keep our focus on where our true citizenship lies. Uh, um, God has blessed this nation. He's, he's privileged us by allowing us to live here and grow up here. Um, but America may not go the direction that I hope it will, that you hope it will. Um, I, I mean, I am praying that we'll come back to the values that, that I said that we were founded on. Um, man, I wrote a paper in college about... Uh, about uh, the, the Christian principles that our nation was founded on. And I'm so thankful for that. And we seem to be moving away from that. But the America that my children grow up in may not be what I want it to be if they grow up in America. I mean, we could be on the mission field, so they may not even grow up here necessarily. But the America that they live in one day may not be what I, I hope it would be. Um, we're living in uncertain times, absolutely. And unfortunately, many in... in that are people my age, really. I see a lot of people my age that have a very different idea of what they want America to be, and it's, uh, it's disheartening, definitely. What Ronald Reagan said is true. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And so if your hope, as I said, is anchored in America, if your identity is anchored in America, and America as we know it falls apart, then your entire foundation is going to crumble. Because, because it, it, it may not go the way we want it to go. So look, so look at verse 8. He says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Here in chapter 13, Paul is sharing some closing thoughts um, as, as he's closing out this book that he's written. Uh, um, at least I, I believe Paul wrote this book. Um, anyways, uh, <clears throat> And so, and so he's, he's, he's got some closing thoughts that he's wrapping up, some different thoughts, some, some final parting thoughts with his audience. But if you look towards the beginning of the chapter, you'll see um, some, of those, some of those statements, miscellaneous last thoughts. But around verses 7 and 8, he starts moving towards kind of a more harmonious theme that he's going to spend the rest of this paragraph and all of the next paragraph talking about, which is what we're looking at tonight. Um, but he opens with this, this standalone statement here. He says, Jesus Christ... Uh, uh, the same, same yesterday, today, and forever. And forever. He says Jesus is unchanging. And Paul just lays out this fact with no frills surrounding it, nothing else. He just says Jesus Christ is unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And like I said, he is <laughs> excuse me, moving towards a theme. But I love that statement because that has the ability to stand on its own in any situation. 
I mean, I mean, some, some things you look at in the Bible and you, you, you say, okay, okay we can't take that out of context or we'll make it mean something else. else. Um, that's um, a phrase that you can pull it out of context all you want. It's going to mean the same thing no matter what situation it's in. Um, Jesus is unchanging. And so, as I said, he's moving towards a theme. But he, but he starts with this. With this. He says that Jesus, uh, that loved you yesterday, well, he doesn't say this, but he says Jesus is unchanging. So I'm saying that Jesus that loved you yesterday loves you today because he's unchanging. Um, the Jesus who was on the throne yesterday is still on the throne today. The Jesus who answered prayer yesterday still answers prayer today. Uh, and listen, the, the Jesus, this is a big issue in our world, the Jesus who condemned homosexuality yesterday still condemns it today. Um, and so, and so Jesus, Jesus is unchanging on the issues, on the issues uh, and, and the moral things that he brought to light. The Jesus, the Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man cometh to the Father but by me, has not suddenly changed his mind and said, well, all roads lead to heaven one way or another. No, Jesus still says, he's unchanging. He says, I am the only way. And more, and more specifically to the context that the statement is made here, the Jesus who said that our relationship with him is by grace alone and not by a religious system has not changed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So because of that, verse number nine, uh, he says, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Jesus hasn't changed. So he, so he says, says it's, a good, it's a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Now, the book, the book of Hebrews, if you read it, uh, what he's been talking about here is the system of temple sacrifices, rituals from the Old Testament law. Uh, if, you're, if you've read through the book of Hebrews or you're familiar with the book of Hebrews a little bit, you'll remember that the theme of the whole book is, is in many ways how Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than the law. Jesus is greater than their uh, sacrificial systems and all of those things. And th these Hebrews, they're so entrenched in their religious tradition that they can't see that their Messiah has come and that he's fulfilled the law and he's ushered in the new covenant. And Paul's been talking about how Jesus is a greater high priest. He's a greater sacrifice and a greater temple. He's established a greater covenant. He's talked about how the law was just a shadow of things to come and how there's no reason to mess around with animal sacrifices anymore because Jesus... Our final Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. And so he says in verse 10, he says, We have an altar. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. And who's we? We as those who have become followers of Christ by faith in Jesus, those who have received and accepted the gospel and become children of God. And, uh, he doesn't say this, but I believe he implies it here that not only do we have an altar, but we have a better altar than those who serve the temple. In Hebrews, In Hebrews chapter 10, 10 uh, just, uh, just, uh, just a page or two over, over there, Hebrews chapter 10, 10 verse, verse number 11, <clears throat> he says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And so we have a better altar than those who serve the temple. What is this altar? It's the, it's the cross of Christ, where the body, where the body of Jesus was offered as a final sacrifice for sin, uh, and those who choose to follow religious traditions and rituals in an attempt to work their way to heaven, he says, they have no right to eat of our spiritual gospel meat, the sacrifice of Christ. And remember what Jesus said at the Last Supper. He said he, he took bread, he broke it, and he said, take eat, this is my body. Now, um, I believe when Paul talks about eating from an altar, um, he's not talking about physical meat 
that we're actually eating some physical, real meat, but he's talking about spiritual meat. And I think verse 9 kind of makes that clear because he says that our hearts should be established with grace and not with meats. And so um, he's talking about a spiritual uh, altar, a spiritual meat that we feast from. He says we have a better altar, uh, or like I said, I think he implies, he says we have an altar, but I think he implies we have a better altar from which we feast on the sacrifice of Christ. Now, as I was, again, I don't get uncomfortable here, okay? Never mind. If I step on your toes, that's okay. I'm just going to just let it go. There are those who worship and feast at all kinds of altars besides Jesus. There are those who worship and feast at the altar of America. And again, I don't want you to misunderstand me when I say that I love America. But I've been in, I've been in a lot of churches where you can talk about the blood of Jesus and you can talk about the hope that we have in Christ, the peace that we have in Christ, and boy, you could hear just a pin drop in the room. But if you start talking about politics and patriotism and boy, man, they'll be up running the aisles. Yeah, Amen! And so, and just to me, it's 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 telling of where our our hearts are at. Sometimes it's telling of where our loyalties are at. It's telling of the citizenship that we value most. Remember, we have a greater citizenship in heaven. Verse fourteen says, "He says, here have we no continuing city. We don't have an enduring city here. In other words, we're pilgrims, we're travelers, and when and when." Our identity, Our identity needs to be rooted in that kingdom that is, that is to come, and everything else is just fleeting. Everything else is just passing. And as long as we have that mindset, there's nothing wrong with loving what God has given us, because I do believe God has given us this nation. I believe God worked providentially to, to bring about America that would become a beacon of light to spread the gospel around the world. But again... I've found peace, and I've found, and I've found an anchor in holding very lightly to that citizenship and holding very tightly to my citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And so, in verse 11, he says that the bodies of these animals that were burned for a sacrifice for sin were burned without the camp. They're in, in chapter 13, verse number 11. Um, <clears throat> The bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. So Jesus, as this final sin offering, suffered outside the gate, outside of the city. Jesus was crucified outside of the city of Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha, and he suffered without the gate. And then as both our final sin offering and our great high priest, he took the blood to the heavenly sanctuary that he might sanctify those who come to him in faith and receive him. See, these, these Jews that he was talking to, you've got to kind of come down to where they were at. Their, their identity, their, their heritage, and their faith, it was also deeply rooted in their nation and in its capital of Jerusalem. Um, and, and if you interact with many Jewish people today, you, you begin to understand that more. I mean, their heritage, their, their nationality, their, who they are as a people, it's everything. And so their identity was, was very much rooted in their nation and in its capital city of Jerusalem. The land uh, that is the nation of Israel was part of 
God's promise to Abraham. God brought them out of Egypt. He gave them the land of Canaan. They overcame unbelievable odds to conquer this land. Remember the battle of Jericho, the giants that they fought. Remember all the battles that they fought to conquer the land of Canaan. Um, this was their nation. And the temple in Jerusalem, it was their center of worship. So everything revolved around that in many ways. Their identity was intricately tied to a place. Okay, so, okay, so, so don't miss that. Their identity was intricately tied to a place. But Jesus suffered outside of the gate. Paul says in verse 13 that we are to go forth to him outside the camp. Outside, outside the city, the city outside, outside the religious tradition, tradition outside, outside of this worship that was tied to a physical place, outside, outside of the law, even. even. And, remember, and remember, when a Jewish person became a follower of Jesus Christ, Christ um, they, they, they forsook everything. I mean, they, I mean, they would, would be disowned. They would, they would lose all of that identity, identity structure that they had as, as their heritage. I mean, people, I mean, people you're not Jewish anymore then. If you follow Jesus, you're gone. I mean, that's I mean, how, that's how it, it's almost as bad or worse as, as Amish, I think. I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't know that they don't talk to you or anything like that. But um, you're not part of it anymore. And so they they left it all behind when they did that. No longer a part of the faith. No longer a part of the family. No longer a part of the nation. And so when they go to Jesus, they are walking away from a very deeply rooted identity. And that's, why and that's why Paul says to these Hebrews, let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach because they were going to bear reproach as well if they left that identity structure, bearing the reproach of a people who as of now have no enduring city, no continuing city, no place to root myself in. The Bible often refers to us as sojourners. As as as, uh, as strangers and pilgrims, as as we're walking through life, we're, we're like those those people that would travel in tents and they never had uh, Bedouins or whatever they were called. That they never had a place that they actually could could dig roots and call home. That, that's who we are as Christians. We're traveling through a world. We're traveling uh, and never actually finding a place to dig our roots deep. Always, always, always missing something. Always longing for something more than what we have. So, this, so truth, this, truth, this truth, this truth, it really applies to us as well. Here on this earth, we have no enduring city. We have no continuing city. I love America, but it's not my continuing city. We seek one to come. We're just pilgrims on a journey to a better place. Sojourners, never truly finding a place to call home. Never truly feeling like we're where we're meant to be. But one day, Jesus will take us to that city that we're seeking, and our hearts will finally rest. Our citizenship will find its true home. And, and, and boy, I look forward to that day. I love, I love how President Trump ended many of his speeches when he said the best is yet to come. And he's right. But the best for us that's yet to come, it's not here. It's out there. It's in a spiritual place. It's, it's in, well, not a spiritual, it's in a physical place that God is preparing for us. But the best is yet to come is not on this earth. It's beyond this earth. It's not America. This nation, nation is not our enduring city. We're citizens of heaven. Of heaven. So, the so the best is yet to come when we get to that city and that home that God is preparing for us. Here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And so let's remember, as we face uncertain days, as we face troubled times in our country, in our world, really, that our true home is not here because our hearts, they yearn and they look for a city that is to come, a place where true justice and freedom and equality will be found. 
at the feet, at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. A place, a place where, where life and liberty and happiness, and happiness it, it won't just be an ideal, ideal but, it'll but it'll be an eternal reality. reality. We'll finally have found that place. So in, so in conclusion, we have a Jesus who is unchanging. We have a better, have a better foundation in which to be established. Grace, not the physical temporary meats and sacrifices of the Old Testament law. We have a better altar and meat, that is Jesus. He's better than the Jewish uh, um, altar at the tabernacle or temple. He's better than any other altar we might find ourselves worshiping at. Or meat that we might find ourselves feasting on. And while we have here no enduring city, no continuing city, we seek a better one that is to come. And so let's anchor our hearts in grace, in Jesus, and in that city that God is preparing for us. What Hebrews 12 and 13 has done, for my heart at least, is it's given me an anchor. And believing these truths, it's given me a peace, it's given me a hope, it's given me a rest, and something that is far greater than the fragile structures that I see around me. I love this statement that I saw recently um, from, from somebody. They said, Jesus routinely removes our weak sources of hope so that he can replace them with his strong hope. And I'm not accusing anybody tonight. Don't take it that way. I'm not accusing anybody of having your hope misplaced. I'm just praying that you'll allow these truths to give your heart rest no matter what goes on around us. We don't have to ride any emotional roller coaster. We, we, we're peace. Peace. That's what, that's what Jesus gives. Peace. Peace. So I pray, so I pray that, that, that what, what you will do is the same. You'll hold loosely to any of these earthly, temporary, temporary structures. structures. And I pray, I pray that you'll hold tightly to Jesus, to, Jesus, to, the, to the unshakable kingdom that's coming. And so let's fix our eyes on him. And let's endure with patience the road that's ahead of us, no matter what that road may look like. Let's find our our joy, our rest, our peace, our calm, our hope in something that is far greater than what this world has to offer. So can I just encourage you tonight and challenge you to look in yourself and think, where's my hope placed? Where's my, I know I use that word a lot, and it's it's modern word that's used a lot, thrown around a lot, but where's your identity placed? Where does your heart find its anchor? Make sure, Make sure that's in Jesus. Make sure that's in this unshakable kingdom that's coming. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Pastor, I'm just going to turn it over to you if that's okay.